0: Welcome to this week's episode of Birthright Living Legacy Podcast, where we share the stories of fatherhood and their effects, because there is no manual. We are here to learn from each other as we build our fatherhood playbook. Now welcome your host, Marquise and Crystal Dennis.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends, we are so excited to be with you today. As always, my favorite part of the day is just being able to introduce the one, the only, my uh, better half and, uh, you know, the the reason for the season. Miss Crystal Dennis. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, give it up. Oh, yes. As so excited!
2: Always, thank you so much for the warm welcoming. So we are so excited to have you guys back today. We have our second married couple in the history of our podcast. So this is going to be exciting to take yeah. in this journey. Um, it's so their first
1: marriage, but not our first married couple. Is yeah, because you said our second married couple. And yeah, I was just like, wait, that they're
2: second married couple. They are second married couple. They are. Excuse him. This is why I do the introductions. Um, anyways, so we um, are featuring, a father of two children. He has been married for six years, and he is a volunteer firefighter in Inola. So, without further ado, would you please help me welcome? Lan- I'm sorry, Cody and Lana Duncan.
1: Oh man! Oh, as you can tell. She's getting better and better. I love this. This is awesome. That's why I throw a wrench in her plans like that. So welcome, guys. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Oh, man. It's absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So, Cody, in tradition of the Birthright Living Legacy, we got to start it out with a good question. What was your favorite part about being your father's son?
3: About being my father's son? Yeah. Um. Well I learned a hard work ethic from him and I've learned a lot about everything that I do as far as every day to make a living, so um.
1: <laughs> Well, you know, we, we understand. We understand. So Miss Lana Yes what was your favorite part about being your father's daughter?
4: My favorite part was seeing i'm gonna talk about my stepdad okay it was seeing him be a grandpa with me and then be a dad with my sister okay because she was still younger and was able to help mold her
1: favorite part yeah love it and where was your your original dad
4: he's in lucas grove
1: oh really <laughs> yeah oh, okay you guys don't have a relationship
4: not a super close one gotcha
1: feel like you missed out on anything that's awesome see stepdads have a role that's what i'm talking about <laughs> so cody whenever you were growing up um you said you're a third generation uh what is it a uh,
3: cabinet maker. cabinet
1: maker i didn't know if that was carpentry or carpentry what. that's yeah. what i was gonna say so you're a third generation so you learned from dad or yeah, grandpa or? my dad okay so what was the uh what was it like working with your dad
3: well we i guess i just started working for him like five years ago okay um he wanted me to go pave my way um, and then come back if I wanted to come back, and I had to wait for some people to quit, and they had an opening, so I went back and been working for him the last five years, so.
1: Oh, so you didn't grow up, like, having to do that? No, like, the extra me, and my,
3: me and my dad didn't have that kind of work-together relationship back then. We both kind of mellowed out as we'd gotten older, <laughs> I got and we, <laughs> can, we worked well together now, so. So
2: how would you say that he impressed the work ethic on you as you were growing up if you didn't work side by side? Was it just something you got to witness? or?
3: Yeah, I mean, lead by example, right? And Yeah. He worked very hard to give us the things that we had growing up. So
1: Oh, that's great. Nice. Love it, love it. And so you are a, uh, a father now, right? Yep. Nice. So tell us about that. What's your favorite part about being a dad now?
3: Um, my favorite part about being a dad is just like, you know, getting to see them grow up and teaching my daughter what how she should be treated and seeing you know, trying to uh trying to teach my son to just the difference between uh yes and no right now. But uh how old is he? He's three. Nice. Daughter? Uh she's ten. Okay.
1: Nice.
2: The difference between yes and no, so everything is yes in yeah. his mind currently? Well, yes. yes.
3: <laughs> well he doesn't but, understand. Yeah, no. he doesn't understand no. Um, uh, okay from okay. his Meningitis. So. Oh, okay, oh, really? Okay. Yeah.
4: yeah, gotcha. The neurologist said that he doesn't have a his brain damage has caused it where he doesn't have the concept of no.
2: Really? Wow. Yeah. So oh, that's interesting. I've never even heard of that. I know me either.
1: I was thinking he was just asking all the right questions. Like <laughs> Ice cream? <laughs> no, ice cream. I, yeah.
2: I was thinking he's got the the pool already of the oh, like know, spoiled <laughs> the smoother. <laughs> yeah, no, he is spoiled. Cool, yes.
1: Wow. So we're gonna get definitely into that story because. Uh one of the interesting dynamics that brought these uh this wonderful couple on is they have a journey of parenting through a tragedy mm. um uh just kind of a life example of what was going on with their son uh, being diagnosed with meningitis
3: and what what else was
2: it He has a CHD. He was born a heart baby.
3: Okay. So he had open heart surgery when he was 3 months old. Oh, wow. wow.
2: And then at 15 months is when he had meningitis.
1: Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. So start us from the beginning of the journey of okay so you're pregnant. You're did you have um, did you have like a, the full nine month term or did it did he come early or
4: um, everything in the pregnancy was fine like mm-hmm. every trucking along we did the anatomy scan no problems at thirty weeks I had one high blood pressure and protein in my urine and because my history with our daughter. I had preeclampsia then, and so that immediately put me at bed rest and weekly visits. We had to go get ultrasounds, and then week 35, they discovered that his heart was bigger on one side than the other, and so then we got week 36, we went to Oklahoma City, found out it was a heart defect, and um, delivered at 37 and 2 because my preeclampsia, with a heart baby, they want you to be as close to full term as you can. But with my preeclampsia, it was dangerous to keep him in longer, and so the the compromise was thirty seven and two.
1: For those of us that are not on the doctor's level, what is preeclampsia?
4: That's high blood pressure in pregnancy. It's, really, it's like your my body was rejecting the baby, huh. and it causes your like your liver enzymes can go crazy. It can you can literally die from it if you keep the baby in too long.
5: Oh wow!
1: Yeah, I've never heard of that preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. Why don't they just call it?
4: High blood pressure. Yeah, I, I don't know.
1: De- well, so, did they? Is there like a cause for that, or
4: no? It's just my body's reaction to the pregnancy.
1: And you said you had this with your daughter as well.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was oh. born at thirty-seven and two. Also, what does that mean? Thirty-seven weeks and two days. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. I, you know, I don't. <laughs> Out of forty, you just got to give me the the, the years <laughs> at zero years. She got the thing because well, I yeah,
2: thirty-seven like, weeks isn't quite a year. That's what I, I
1: said don't. under a year. Oh wait, that's like two years.
2: No. Weeks,
4: oh, seven 30 weeks, thirty-seven 30 weeks. weeks. I was counting Pregnancy months. weeks in a year. I was counting <laughs> prison months.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> you got thirty-six That's months. A whole
2: different world. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other world. Nobody wants to be pregnant for over a year. <laughs>
1: yeah. They should.
2: Nine months is debatable. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: no, no. I think we should go. We should. Oh. And we lost everything. I don't know if it's me, but I can't hear nothing.
2: No, we can still hear. Or I oh, can, you
1: can I still hear. You. I can't hear I anything.
2: Can. Okay. Oh, move okay. your move your mic. This. Well, there
1: we go. Oh wow. Yeah, so I can hear you now. Um, but anyway, um, so I was going to say, us men should get together and vote. We should extend pregnancies. No, cut them <laughs> <I'm>
3: out. <laughs> that's what we should do. Make them shorter. Yeah, two as weeks. As long yeah. as there's
2: a shot that you can also take that then makes you feel every month's symptoms. No,
1: I don't.
5: There you go. Can now we talking. Can
1: you tell her? Do we not feel the symptoms? No, we do. Oh, yeah. we feel it. He did yeah. not. they're just different. Symptoms. He was building yeah. our house when I was pregnant. Yeah, you don't think that's a <laughs> symptom? Not.
3: That is a symptom. That
2: was an outlet. No. <laughs> she wanted
3: a house before the baby and I tried, but we didn't quite make it happen. So yeah. I would have got her a room. <laughs> here's
1: your here's room. All right. So all right. So we're in the preeclampsia uh, stages. And of course, you're probably um, well, I don't want to think for you. But in my mind, I would think since you had this happen before, you're probably like, OK, no big deal. You know, let's just go into precaution. How did this affect you? as far as whenever um, this verdict or whenever this happened, did it have any adverse effect for you, Cody, as a father?
3: Um, Well, the first, like, when she got preeclampsia, obviously we went to the hospital and stayed a couple days, and we're like, okay, well, you know, it all leveled back out, and she was fine, so we're like, okay, well, this will be okay. We'll just be monitored. Then they found out about the heart condition, and it was just like a whirlwind of, here we go. I mean, it just was just one thing after another. And, um, cause we had to meet with the specialist, the
4: OB specialist.
3: Yeah. The OB specialist. And then she's like, y'all need to go to Oklahoma city immediately. And so, which that was scary. Then we found out about, um, he had the, his transposition, of the great arteries, which was what was wrong. It was his, uh, his heart was built backwards on the top side. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, then they're basically said that we had to come on December twenty second to the hospital, and they tried to induce her on Christmas Day, but she wasn't having that. So,
5: that's
4: me. good. I didn't want a like a December baby or a redhead, and I ended up with both. A oh. redhead? God has jokes. Yeah.
3: Why is a redhead? Well, the mailman.
1: I just
4: didn't. I just didn't want a redhead. <laughs>
1: I love you. So now, as far as the, uh, the heart beat backwards, was that caused by something, or is that just a normal?
3: Um, they say it's like the draw. We're doing genetic testing now to find out if it was something genetic or um, or not. Is that so you can decide if you're going to have more kids? Or? No, no, we're that, done. That ship is sailed. No, um, they're, they're trying to – he's having seizures right now, and they're trying to make sure – that um, his seizures aren't genetic related, so they're doing the testing, and
4: we're pretty sure that they're stemmed from the brain damage from the meningitis. But they're just there's so many different random things that have happened. They're just trying to see if there's any anything
2: that ties them together. Does that gotcha. dictate the direction in which they could, treatment it, goes? Yeah, it it could, yeah.
1: yeah. for yeah.
4: the
2: seizures, it could. Okay.
1: Boom. So you're in the hospital room, or that they are they ob. I take it. And then she's just like, you need to go to Oklahoma City now. Yeah. Was it like a not now, but right now? Or yeah, was it I mean, like it was you need a, to go as soon as possible?
3: A couple days later, we were in Oklahoma yeah. City talking to the cardiologist. It
4: like, was like the beginning of the next week. We were, Yeah. There.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And it was backwards, like the valves are?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had to swap them.
1: Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that could be a thing. Yeah. Wow.
4: And, and when they're born, their heart is the size of a walnut. Uh-huh. So, I mean,
1: they're... So you gotta have like a specialist, specialist. Oh yeah, mm-hmm.
4: I mean that God has definitely gifted these men with great talent. Wow.
1: So, as you guys are in Oklahoma City, uh, and they're talking about, um, you know, operating on your then how old?
4: Newborn.
3: He was newborn uh, when we first were, or well, he wasn't born when we first went. Um, obviously, he was still in there when they. Um, started talking about what they had to do, but the day he was born they took him Oh, they could tell while he was still on yeah. yeah. Yeah.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah, they found wow. Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: They That's did a three four D ultrasound thing. and Yeah, they knew all that from before he even came out. Like they were prepared. Like the day he was born they I got to she got to hold him for just a second and I got to go up to the NICU with him and they're like, We gotta take him immediately to the cath lab, we'll let you know when you can see him again and uh we didn't see him again for 12 hours later yeah 12 hours and uh they had to do five minutes of chest compressions because they were uh, went in to do to take pictures to see how they wanted to proceed to fix him and uh interrupted his electrical field and caused him to to uh, code to code yeah so they had to do five minutes cpr so on the first day he was born so so when you're coming from the NICU
1: and you're walking on your way back down to see your wife What's that What's that head
3: conversation like for you? I mean, the main thing was, is going through my head, is that they weren't really, you know, they just whisked him away. And I'm like, you know, she didn't even hardly get to see him. You know, The they stopped for like two seconds in the hallway for our daughter to see him. Like, you know, it's just like, is he going to be okay? You know, is she okay? Because, I mean, I went with him and just left her yeah. laying there, you know, after she basically, here's your baby in you know, we jetted, and uh, I probably came back an hour and a half or so later, and you know they had her all cleaned up, and I was fine. I mean, her deal was she just wanted to see him, and you know that wasn't in the books because they kept having to do all that to get him ready for his procedures and all that. So right. Well, so, what
1: were your thoughts while you were waiting?
4: I, I did. My whole focus was on him. My mom commented later that. I was so surprised at, to see you just getting up and going and wanting to go see him. Like I, she said that I never like mentioned myself hurting or mentioned anything about myself. It was like total focus on him. Um, but I don't really think that we had an option, you know, because mm. it's your baby. Yeah. So Yeah. But the what well, I was going to add to what he said the the cath procedure on that first day was so important because while he was inside, his heart was compensating for. Um, the oxygen not going to the right spot and all that it was all mixing correctly while he was inside me and as soon as you're born your heart everybody's born with holes in their heart and as soon as you're born those close up and so for him that was dangerous for them to close up so they had to do the cast procedure that first day to open them back up so it could mix while he was out of the womb Mm. and so then while they were in there they tried to take the photos and that's when it all
3: kind of went. Yeah, they said if we would have had him in Tulsa, he would have never made it to Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. City so.
2: Wow, because their holes would have closed back up and, and by then. and then
3: Tulsa doesn't have that medicine or whatever that he needed. To, or the specialist. Or the specialist to put yeah. the stent in. So
1: That drives me crazy because I always think, you know, you like think in your head, like if you went to school to be a doctor, like it's one size fit all. But no. you start to learn really quickly, like this is not... For the faint of heart, you know, like you've got to really love what you're doing. Do you know how long the surgery was for the first one?
3: The cath procedure? Yeah. Oh, uh, like I said, he was gone for, before we got to see him again, was 12 hours. We don't know exactly what happened in that 12 hours. Um,
4: They had trouble doing his pick lines first was the first problem. And they kept postponing us being able to see him. We were supposed to be able to see him before the cath procedure. And then I guess with his anatomy and his veins and stuff, they, they just couldn't get a good pick line fast enough and then he became i guess critical yeah and so they had to rush him to the cat's procedure
1: so did they did they nurse him or do they feed him through a tube like how does
3: that happen well they didn't at first no No, he just didn't get nothing at first uh fluid iv fluids um and then he was on iv fluids for several days before then they started a feeding tube first um and then
4: uh well and he's he was uh he was sedated for a little bit too
3: yeah yeah he was sedated for a couple
4: and intubated and then extubated and
3: we've been down that roller coaster multiple
1: times Yeah. Mm -hmm. so as i'm thinking as a husband um you know with a pregnant wife uh we're roughly you know about that time uh to where we're having birth you know Of course, looking at it after the fact, it's a lot different. You know, you guys can be a lot more calm. But what was the conversation that you were having as far as trying to encourage or to help your wife through that time? Or
3: or what was the conversation between you two like? I mean, my main thing through the whole thing was just being the rock and staying strong just to be her support and for our daughter and um, be there emotionally later type of thing you know yeah. i was i was there just making sure she didn't go downhill or anything like that you know so what do you say in those moments is it just be there i'm gonna be honest with you i don't even remember what i said you really? know what i'm saying yeah it was
1: it, it
4: was a lot of we'll, it was both we'll get of through us it. yeah it'll be okay mm-hmm. he's tough well,
3: you know? we i mean when you're focused on your child is gonna live or not live you really i guess you're you don't really think about the needs of you know we were both focused on him,
5: you know? mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's a wild ordeal because you know I could only imagine just being a husband and a father, and then you have a daughter. Is she there, or your mom still taking care of her at the time?
3: Or yeah, she was there um, in the waiting room, and
1: uh, it was during flu
4: season, so she wasn't allowed in the rooms. Right, we were in the NICU for. Three weeks, yeah. three weeks and three days. And um, during that time, she only was able to FaceTime with him or see pictures.
1: Mm. And you guys didn't work,
3: didn't anything the whole time? Uh, not while well, he was in the NICU. We were both pretty much there. And then our daughter, she was kind of bounced back, you know, family's houses here and there. Mm. And
4: Well, yeah, because I was on maternity leave at that point. So okay. I just could stay in Oklahoma City. I right. think you you worked a little bit towards the end.
3: Yeah, toward the end of the NICU, I would go home and work a couple of days and come back and. Uh,
1: and for those of you that don't uh, live here in Oklahoma, uh, so this is about an hour and a half drive away from where you guys live, uh, going back and forth to Oklahoma City. Um, so when you guys when you guys originally h- had your plans to have your child, it was going to be here locally, um, Saint at Saint Francis. Um, St. Francis. And then now you're at a completely different facility in a completely different new area, um, you know, and family and friends, they have to make a full, firm decision. Like, we're going to see you. Uh, and then they have hotels and all those kinds of things because you can't – well, I mean, you can't just drive back, but just to kind of give you guys a, um, a full scope of some of the other details that you, you might be missing, uh, for those of us that live here, we understand. But um, when you go from – you know, being locally somewhere from 10 to 15 minute drive to now it's an hour and a half, like going home is a full decision, you know, for him to decide to go, you know, I'm going to go to work or whatever the case may be. Um, that's a, that's a, at least three hour round trip. If you just touch Tulsa and turn around and go back.
3: Right. And we
4: live 30 minutes away from Tulsa. So it's yeah, a full about two, two, hours. two hours
3: from our house, oh, wow. from our front door mm-hmm. to the hospitals, almost two hours. So, um, but I mean, not to promote anything on here, but we are thankful for the Ronald McDonald House. I mean, that's where amen. we lived. Yeah, yeah, we lived yeah. there for for a while, um, and they were great and accommodating, and that's a, that's a great organization. It's
1: for, it's an organization that I support. But for those of us that that don't know what that is, could you please do a small plug for the Ronald McDonald and explain how vital
3: or how much of a play that played into it? Um, the The Ronald McDonald House um, is like they when we first went. Like they have a wing of the hospital. They have rooms um, and they give the family um, a room, a bed to sleep in, their own bathroom. Um, They have laundry facilities that you can do your laundry. There's a kitchen. There's a kitchen. They um, a lot of like churches and other organizations provide meals that they donate um, for you to eat, and um, it's it's just really great. Thing. and then the second time we went down they were actually doing a remodel on because they had an on-campus ronald mcdonald house and an off-campus ronald mcdonald house and we um were fortunate enough we thought we we're gonna have to stay in the off-campus one which then they had curfews you had to be back in the gates because it was kind of on a shady part of town so you had to be uh-huh. back in the gate by like eight o'clock and you <laughs> couldn't leave until like eight o'clock in the morning and um, we got transferred to the hospital because we're like that's not going to work for us because we're going to be going back and forth to see him uh, but the second time we went down uh, down for his open heart surgery, they were remodeling the off campus one, so we actually they actually put us up in a hotel room for the whole entire. Wow, um, yeah. it was nice. a super nice hotel too.
1: So. Yeah, I'm super grateful for the Ronald McDonald House. I didn't really know what it was for. Um, and then on our previous job that I had, we had to deliver the clothes, um, the uh, we we delivered the blankets, and then I went to the facility and asked for a tour. And then I was like, "Oh wow!" Mm-hmm. You know, in my That's mind, great. when you say Ronald McDonald's House, I'm thinking there's a place to go eat hamburgers for kids, and right. you know, something like, like that, like a
4: playground. Yeah, like a playground. <laughs> I had
1: no idea that it was to help families. Um, so, if you guys are ever in a situation like this where you have a, uh, is it, is there an age limit on the
3: child? No, I don't think so. I think if uh, it's got to be more than 24 hours that they're going to be in the facility, and I think you can apply. I mean, there is, like, if they, they do do, like, take everything into account, or you have to live X amount of miles away. Oh, right. Um, you ha- like I said, I think it's got to be two days or more that you're going to st- – I mean, they do have rules and limitations. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And
4: a heart – in Oklahoma City, our heart baby took precedence over someone right. you know, that just had a leg procedure or something like mm. that. So
3: right, like a – yeah. The
4: severity. A, they knew that his, his case was so severe that we would be there long-term.
5: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
3: And and like if anybody wants to give back and they don't really advertise it, but you can tell, ask any McDonald's if you're buying your cheeseburger or whatever to round up to yeah. donate to the Ronald McDonald House. We always do that. I mean, it's the least we can do. They gave us a place to stay um, yeah. that whole time. So man,
1: that that breaks my heart like in a happy, good way um, because you know a lot of people don't know that that's what that's for because uh, they hopefully never have to use it. But for those of you that have had to. Um, that's a huge benefit to be able to know that that's one less thing that you have to worry about, especially, you know, you have a child in in critical condition, you're, you know, already missing work for whatever reason, whether it be, um, you know, pregnancy leave or you just, you know, stress out and you can't go to work. Um, It's good to know that you have a place to go uh, where people are caring enough to be able to, you know, do that thing. So I support the Ronald McDonald House with all my heart for sure. So you are, you know, you're in the first procedure, got that done, 12 hours. Um, Walk us through a little bit more as you guys are going on your journey. Say, um, you guys are, you know,
3: trying to – are you sleeping at this time at all? (laughs) I mean, off and on, just a little bit here and there. I mean, um, when we first got to see him, I think we had – which, you know, I don't know. They required, the Ronald McDonald re- house required us to spend X amount of hours per day in his room, which is understandable, and it wasn't no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, sleep was a lot. I mean, I feel like we would just go see him, eat dinner, come back, you know, and then you, we just watch TV till we fell asleep on our c- computer, and and then we would get up, whenever we got up and go rent right back over there. Cause I mean, I almost just had to let make my, like let myself fall asleep. I couldn't make myself go to sleep, but mm. she puts her head down and she always goes to sleep. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> my husband's the same way. Yeah. you so jealous. Three seconds <laughs> of silence. <laughs> okay. right. So uh,
1: is he like in a glass box at this time or no. what is it? The- it's not a
4: full box. It's not the NICU has, There was a cardiovascular unit on the NICU that was just heart babies. And so it wasn't, like, the preemies that you envisioned in, the, in mm-hmm. the full box. This was just, like, a little tiny crib. Yeah,
3: it had, like, a, a rectangle with little sides on it, and then it had, like, a little heating lamp above it. And um, he was – I've never seen so many IVs in my life um, on one pole. I mean, there was probably 40. Uh, those little like they like these little boxes you put the syringe in and um at timer it pushes these meds to him and oh right i mean it was i'm sure she has a picture to show you sometime but it just had ivs just wrapped all the way around this this pole of all these different meds they were pushing Mm -hmm. and some of them were the nutritional part and um i think he had three ivs when we first got to see him or two, I don't remember. two or three port like coming in, um, with all these lines. So it was it was quite the crazy deal. So did
2: he have a, f- a feeding tube this whole
3: time? Yeah, that's what or, I was going to ask. Like, were they no, he didn't get the feeding tube until later.
2: I was pumping. Okay.
4: That was yeah. like my sole purpose while we were in the NICU was to pump. Uh-huh. They said that I pumped so much that I could have had triplets. Oh. <laughs> but that was the only thing I could do. And yeah. so um, we just packed the freezer at the Ronald McDonald house with uh, with my milk.
3: But <laughs> while we were at home, they sent him home on um, after we were there for how long? The first time?
4: It was three weeks and two days the first yeah, time. Yeah, three weeks oh, and two yeah.
3: days. And then we they sent us home and they sent him home on blood thinners. And Lovinox uh, shots. shots. And he,
4: that first cat, he had three cat procedures in the first three weeks.
3: Got a clot in his leg,
4: and he got a clot in his leg mm. from that first one. And That's so, it. the second procedure was fine. Um, they just had to finish taking the photos of the inside of his heart, and then the third one was to put. It was to open the open that PDA. Yeah, the he had a pulmonary stenosis where the his valve was too small, and so they had to go back and open that up. In order for us to be able to get to where we could leave, mm.
5: yeah.
1: I am just grateful that he didn't get that when he was older. I've had a pulmonary pulmonary embolism myself, mm. and it literally felt like somebody jabbed a spear through the front and the back of my chest. Wow! And I was like, "Ow!" <laughs> and I le- I legit had forty five minutes to live. Wow! Before oh, wow. they found it, and so. When you say blood clot in the leg, the lumbar shot—I had to do all that, mm-hmm. and I just, oh, I just couldn't even imagine.
4: And a, he couldn't do it; I had to do it. Do it. No, I
5: yeah. wouldn't give him his my poor baby little it. tummy
4: had
1: the
5: bruising bruises. all over. Oh yeah. yeah,
1: I had to do that every day for like I think it was like a week, and then, and then I,
4: I we did it from the time we left the hospital until February, so that was. I guess it was like a full month of that because in February he had um, blood in his stool when we went to change his diaper one time, so mm-hmm. we had to go to the hospital here in town, and we spent another week then, and they they figured out it was he, the blood clot was gone, so they they think it was the shots making well, it. They thought shot. it was the shots, mm-hmm.
3: but they also thought it could be he was allergic to milk. Milk. Yeah. Um, so then they switched to milk. It. Yeah. Well he
4: was small He was small anyway And the goal from the time we left the hospital at the NICU Till the time that we could have the open heart surgery Was to get him to us There was like a goal Mm weight And so um, we had to supplement With formula also um, Just because he was His heart worked harder to To sustain And to get chubbier
1: Mm -hmm. So how long until the doctor was like Okay the heart part is done He's healed from
3: that um, the surgery. I'd say like a year after he had it, the sur- open heart surgery that they were like, yeah, he's nothing wrong with his heart. I mean,
4: well, March sixth or March seventh was his open heart surgery of nineteen, no, of eighteen, and from the time we left the hospital. He everything, all of the appointments, you know, because you start off with like every three months and then you go to every six months. And now we're on a year like mm-hmm. we're two years, three years out from the open heart surgery. And we're just on yearly visits at this point. His heart's been a little rock star. Nice. Wow. There's oh,
2: Sorry. no, you're fine. Please
5: go.
3: I was just going to say when we were in the hospital, um, I actually met a mom and she was there. She said that her son had uh, transposition to great arteries. And I found out that he was uh, 20. 21 or 22. 21 or 22. Um, And he was at the children's hospital because he had the same thing that Bub did. And um, he was actually having to have a valve replaced. But because his anatomy was so um, unique and complex that they were the only doctors that could handle it. Um, So we're hoping, we're very hopeful that his heart stays strong forever. But we do know that when he's older, hits puberty, puberty, that he could have some... Like I said, I think that mom said that their their son had to have a stent put in when he was like 16, and then they actually had to go in and do the valve when he was 21, so. Wow. But we should be good for now, so. Yeah. So, go ahead. I know you had
1: something to say. Yeah, sorry about that.
2: No, 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 you're fine. I think I was actually jumping ahead, so I. Oh, no, um, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say there's at some point that he went into an eight-day coma, is that correct? Yes. And uh, was that during the surgeries, or?
4: No, that was a year after the open-heart surgery. Okay. February 23rd of 19 is when he had the hour-long seizure, and um, he slept for eight days without being sedated. And uh, during that time, we had two spinal taps and found out that it was human herpes virus 6 encephalitis, which is a type of meningitis. And it's super rare. The only way you can get it is either you're born with it or it you can get it during a blood transfusion, which he had to have the year before when he had the open-heart mm-hmm. surgery and was on ECMO for three days. ECMO? Yeah, that's a life support. After his open heart surgery, or during his open heart surgery, there was a complication. They had snipped part of his valve that they thought was just extra tissue. And so whenever they tried to take him off the machines, it flooded into the lungs. And so he, they had to keep him on the life support it for three days. It bypasses
3: the heart to give it time to heal. It pumps wow. the blood through the body. So. Yeah.
4: At one point, they cleaned his chest, and we could physically... he. When we got to see him, his chest was open. With like saran wrap over it, and at one point they cleaned his chest out, and I could see his heart beating in his chest. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Amazing? It was amazing. Like
1: that's what you call that? Marcus okay. Over here, about to paint.
4: Okay. <laughs> I, it was. I mean, there's. Listen,
1: I've never seen somebody's chest cavity open and it be a,
3: for a good thing. So well, for me, that just makes my blood curdle. <laughs> well, in the, on the meningitis, the. The, what was that doctor? The head. He was the...
4: Head of the picky for 25 yeah, years. Yeah,
3: head of the picky for 25 years, and this is the only second time in that 25 years that he'd seen that type of meningitis, so... Wow.
5: Yeah.
4: And they were just guessing. Like, he tried to find studies on what's the best medicine to give for this type, and and he... he it was just a guess. They had no studies. It's that rare that wow. there was no...
1: So what did they it's, say to you in this moment? Like, hey, we're thinking about our doing hands. this thing. Do you want us to do it? Or
4: No, he said, um, at this point, we don't know if he. this is the Wednesday. The seizure happened on Saturday. That Wednesday is when we got the spinal tap results back. Hmm. And he came to us and said, I don't know why he's still asleep. I don't know if he's ever going to wake up. If At this point, what we need is a, a miracle. So if you're the praying type, now's the time.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: What? Yeah. All right, Dad. Ooh, that's a that's a heavy load. Yeah, it gets surreal when to hear happens. that. Yeah. What what goes through the, the the Cody's mind when this is happening? Real life.
3: I mean, I just kind of went into panic mode. Like, well, if there's nothing they can do, I mean, I'm calling everybody. I was calling hospitals in Chicago and tech, like just trying to find somebody to that could give me more answers than what they were doing. Um, I mean, we realized that they there was no more answers, but. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just his first reaction was to fix it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah how can I how can I fix this you know so I said I was trying to get through to neurologists in hospitals those people probably thought I was nuts I'm like no (laughs) you don't understand I need to talk to them now like they're like well you need to have your doctor call I'm like no they're not doing anything you know it was just what can I do you know you know then you start realizing oh no you know then you Start, you know, trying to trade places with him. You know, is there anything we can do to, yeah, you know?
1: Can I put my grown-up heart in his little baby right, chest? He can have it, yes. And, and you're exactly. just ready, I be,
3: yeah. I would have gave yeah. it to him in a heartbeat.
1: Would you let him?
4: From our son? Yeah. I don't know. That's a, <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> so tough
1: that's, a that's a tough question because like I mean I would people I always would. people always ask like you know if your wife if it was the baby or your wife what do you do and I was like selfishly I'm like. Sorry, baby. I mean, right. you're, you're. It's good never to really go. the husband or this. Yeah, dad, I you mean, know. you know, it's. Because to me, I don't have that kind of a bond with the baby yet until it's I know. Right? It right, but she would. Option. She would give
4: her life for the baby. Yeah, yeah
1: she would, but no, it's not. Right. Him. No, no. no, no. I'm, so, I'm. Trump card. Nope. They're not even going to ask her. Because <laughs> <laughs> I already know how that's going to go. But as a dad, you know after you've now held him now you've seen him now you've you know welcomed him into the world you know now now it's triggered for you that this is this is a thing and uh, for a lot of a lot of people don't understand like for dads until that happens it's not real you know mom's got nine months to prepare you know she's got to change her eating habits sleeping habits laying down habits all that so you guys have that moment to bond to get that realization of you know, Oh my gosh, I have a baby versus with dad. It's not, it's not so evasive. So, you know, we can go to work and not think about baby at all <laughs> and then be like, Oh yeah, my wife is pregnant versus you guys can't walk past the bookshelf. You right. know, without thinking, Oh yeah, I'm pregnant. And so, um, it's really, it's really interesting to see, you know, like when you're in this mode of like, I got to fix this, you know what I mean? And, you probably, you know, is there like a pressure, like, oh my gosh, I have to do something for my family, is it just, or is it just a natural reaction, you
3: don't know, you're just throwing Hail Marys in the air? Right, I mean, it was just, you know, he had to survive, I mean, that was the only option, and I would just willing to do whatever it took to yeah. make sure that happened, I mean, that's my son, and, you know, and that there was no other option, really, I mean, I was going to Call until I couldn't call no more. Yeah.
1: Um, so that brings me to a great question, Lena. What would you say is your favorite part about watching Cody as a father?
4: I would have to say, just the bond that he has with both kids. Yeah. Um, JT is his mini me made over. Like they are twinkies. And it's cute to see him interact, you know, with him. But then to be, it doesn't matter. I could yell at Katie for the same exact thing that he does, and she hates me and doesn't want to talk to me for the rest of my life. No, but with her, I mean, with him, it doesn't matter. Oh, I love you, Daddy. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) You know, like
3: all is right with the world. Like it does not matter. Like she chose me. She didn't choose you. Right.
4: That's exactly right.
1: I love it. That's great. So you guys are, you know, obviously, um, I'll fast forward just a little bit um, to where, you know, we've gone through the coma. Um, You know, now that you have a rare um, meningitis, you know, dad's to this point where he realizes this is not something that we can fix with a new, uh, you know, phone call or, you know, a new doctor or whatever. How are you, Lena, how are you encouraging him or is it just an equal back and forth thing in that moment when he's like freaking out trying to, to call are you just with him like yeah we'll try this place we'll try this place or are you more of like honey calm down we just gotta
4: well I I melted down mm-hmm. I, um, I remember screaming that I wasn't strong enough to lose him and I didn't even fully know that he was doing all of this it mm-hmm. took his dad his dad took him to a, a stairwell and you know and they had their moment, and then he was, that brought him back down to earth. And, okay, well, you know, what's in front of us? Let's figure this out, kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah.
1: That's awesome, man. That's, and that's just showing the generation. That's three generations of of men right there just, you know, trying to make that happen and keep that legacy going. So I could only imagine, but d-
3: did that give you, like, a boost of strength to have your dad there in that moment? Yeah, I'd say so. It- I mean, he was in the same boat I was. You know, he was—he would give his life for him. You know, I mean, yeah. just when you meet, I just—it just blows my mind. Like it's, you know, these—the way this world's going. Like, you know, he's not perfect, um, but he's perfect in my eyes. You know, yeah. um, and they, 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 these states are letting them, people choose if they want to keep their baby or not after they're born. It's just—it blows my mind. Like, to even think that would be an option. You know, like. Yeah. I mean, and this kid—he's the happiest kid you'll ever meet. He may, he may not walk perfect, and he may not talk perfect yet, but he—he—he he, he, he lights up a room when he walks in there, don't he? He does, yeah. yeah. That's awesome.
1: So let's just make that transition, because I don't want to just be on the doom and gloom, right? Uh, because <laughs> that—I mean—it's a huge part of his testimony, um, and is yours, uh, Lena Ian. Cody for your parental roles that you have to play on that. And I appreciate your vulnerability to, to come on the show and tell about that because that's a unique fatherhood journey that a lot of people uh, may be suffering from silently. Um, we talked to a dad uh, just last week about a uh, miscarriage and his perspective was, mm-hmm. you know, pretty eye opening. This definitely touched me um, in a place that's You know, I can't even speak of because these are the things that loom in the back of my head, you know, knowing that, oh, my gosh, we're going to have a baby and any of these things, any of these variables could take place. But so we've we've gotten past, you know, the doom and gloom. He's out of the hospital. Um, How long are you guys out of the hospital um, or or how long did it take till you got out of the hospital? You're at home starting to do the, the family thing.
4: When he finally woke up, he woke up as a 15 months newborn,
5: mm-hmm.
4: so he had to relearn everything. Um, the total time in the hospital that time was like five weeks, and um, he came home with a feeding tube again. And um, we, he couldn't hold his head up, or I mean, nothing. He wow, he literally no skills and all, and half of his left side was weaker, and it would twitch. And so then uh, we we've been going to therapy he goes to speech therapy physical therapy and occupational therapy twice a week Um, and he has been for for two years
3: Uh, well when we first brought him home the first week after he was home he was like um, not himself not smiling um, lots of crying um, just unconsolable yeah
4: unconsolable which wasn't like him
3: and we finally um, had to take him back to the emergency room and found out he was actually dehydrated when we took him home and once I got him rehydrated he was back to his normal self so that week was pretty
4: I was the crazy mom in the hospital this is not my baby like this this is not like I kept telling yeah, they kept them saying
3: this is the new normal and we're like no it's what, not
4: that's a brain injury this is how he is now and I'm like that's not my kid man mm. like something's wow. wrong and then once we got home that's when it got worse and we were like no something's not right and so then we went back
1: and they were really just adamant, like mm-hmm. no big yeah. deal.
4: But he kept throwing up, like because he had laid there for so long, his stomach had shrunk, and um, he just he. We literally had a newborn. We had to slowly progress him back, but so he had lost a bunch of weight. He, they kept saying, if he doesn't gain weight, if he doesn't gain weight, we'll have to put a feeding tube straight into his stomach instead of just the one through his nose, mm-hmm. and so they they kept changing his formula and change and well anybody that changes their diet over and over again they get sick and throw up or mm-hmm. you know it takes a while to get to that point and they just weren't listening <laughs> oh,
1: you're just a mom you don't know <laughs> right you know you just birthed this kid you don't have no idea how his dna is set up and honestly when you spend can't hear
3: you oh sorry <laughs> when you spend countless hours in them rooms you get to feel like you know more about it than <laughs> right we were the, the experts the, the doctors uh-huh. do you know like and we've actually I've, I've seen her getting yelling matches with doctors before okay
4: so. those residents they don't really know much uh-
3: <laughs> can you get a real doctor in here please <laughs> yeah oh wow you pulled a real
1: doctor
4: on yeah. It? oh yeah she was I, I mean they were they were messing with my baby I,
3: hey i <laughs> Yeah. When we were there. when when he had his open heart surgery, I would stay the week um, uh, Monday through Thursday, and then Tuesday I w- through Friday. Or Tuesday through Friday, and then I would come home work the weekends, and she would come stay the weekends because my job was I worked for my dad, so it wasn't a big deal, um, and. She was like, my husband was the nice one, and he's he's already left. So now, so you're now dealing, you have me. Now you're dealing with me. So <laughs> and you guys are driving back and forth Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Yep, we're just passing each other on the highway. Good night. Five weeks. Mm-hmm. Five weeks. Yeah.
2: Yeah. On top of the added pressure of what you're already going through, now mm-hmm. you're not seeing each other and having the time to connect. That's a lot.
3: Yeah.
1: That speaks volumes of your marriage, man. Because yikes, this guy. You know, I don't I don't know how I feel about all that. i will be like, Hey, we got date night tonight.
4: You well know? people are always like, Oh, you guys are so strong and you know, God picked, chose you for this. I'm like, I don't really know that we're that strong. <laughs> I think we just were along for the ride. I mean yeah. we really didn't have any other option, you know. You
1: don't have
3: any other choice. I mean.
1: Yeah, that's this hey man, I'm with it. So he's he's doing well now. Yeah. Doing well to the point where normal boy
3: and there's no um, he's still having seizures, but they've slowed down quite a bit since they've got his medicine lined out. We're going to go um, have a test done and see where um, the seizures are coming from and possibly talk about um, having a surgery to remove part of his brain that's causing the seizures. Um, have you guys tried, like, THC or like no. The marijuana No, stuff? they won't let Not us. So it's, we've talked, uh, but with his heart and stuff, um, we kind of talked about that. but. We're gonna do this test first to see um, where it's coming from. Then we gotta weigh all the pros and the pros and cons on all that. So before we make that big decision. So I got you.
1: Well, dig it. Well, I appreciate strongly you guys taking the time to come and talk to us. Man, this is this has been transformative for me because it definitely put me in a different place.
4: Um, we didn't even get to talk about the adoption. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, we, this you know. Is why
2: he said there has to be a part
4: two. Oh, yeah, there's definitely going to have
1: to like, be a part two. Because, like, I, I, I think people think that when they come on these shows, like, there's, like, some kind of script and you're just like, oh, we'll touch everything. But it's like, when you're in the moment, like, you know, that richness that you guys are discussing of the raw uh, thought processes, you know, I'm watching you guys' eyes, like, well up a little bit, a little when you're talking about some of these subjects, and it's like, yikes i couldn't even imagine you know what i mean what that would be like and then to know it's like ah don't do it you know because i don't know i don't know if i can do it so
2: there's so much power in the journey and the testimony alone you know as much as we want to cover everything in one setting we're just like this is where it is you know wherever it goes this is where we need to be this is what needs to be heard you know there's so many out there who are going through something similar who don't know is it okay to talk about it or you know whatever whatever the scenario may be or even just for us for expecting parents like these are realities you know what I mean so these are conversations that need to be had because this is a support that is I'm sure there are support groups but not everybody is keen for that you know what I mean so when you're here you're part of a community you're trying to learn grow and develop whether you're taking away this is how I support another or hey look we're going through this and this couple made it they couldn't even see each other for five weeks we can push through you know whatever the power of the testimony that you guys just bared witness to that went out you know what I mean and so um, I just yeah I just want to echo what my husband said and thank you so much for being here for being vulnerable for sharing your story it has been such a beautiful journey to just be able to hear um, and and to see you two here together you know smiling and and just living life
3: and we couldn't have done it with just each other i mean we leaned on our family and our community a whole bunch they all were there for us and um monetarily emotionally i mean there's people we don't even know that's like hey you're jt's dad aren't you you know like i mean so many people that i don't even know who you are but yes that is my son (laughs) Um, like i said we couldn't have done it without them they um, raised a bunch of money to help pay medical costs and us going back and forth where we didn't have to worry about it. And uh, like I said, we couldn't have done it without our family for sure. So wow. I feel like if you don't have that support group and you think that this is, you know, if you get this diagnosis that you're going to have some kind of issue, you need to find that support group because doing it on your own, you're not going to be able to. So mm-hmm. so before we go into the father, the private fatherhood
1: group, Lana, any lasting words for us?
4: No, I don't think so. <laughs> and I just want
1: to give credit where credit's due. Lana is the reason that I ever came up with the term jerk face. So just so you guys <laughs> know, sure Look, I'm just going to throw that out there in case I make it famous. You know, I, I, you heard it here. She, she was the reason. That for is that. true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honey, you got anything that you want to uh, bless us with before we depart?
2: No, I do not. It's been been wonderful to have both of you and uh, we'll venture downstairs and let the guys do their part so they can bless the men in the private group. Okay.
0: All right. Well, Birthright Living Legacy needs your help as we are on a mission to help fathers who are needing to overcome obstacles to see their children. We are preparing to provide curriculum, counseling and family law assistance for any of our fathers. We will also have many fun events to participate in with their children as we build a fatherhood community. Partner with us on Facebook or Instagram and go to our website at brlivinglegacy.com, and go to our donation tab on the bottom of the page to make a contribution. For any questions, contact us on any of our platforms as we would love to help birthright living legacy changing lives one father at a time